What's up, Lake Point family? Great to see you guys. Uh, my name is Mike Bro. in case we've never uh, met before, and I have the honor and privilege of partnering with uh, Pastor Josh and the team here at Lake Point on weekends, and so great to see you guys, and I probably won't get to do this again, but Merry Christmas to everybody. I want to welcome our campuses, those of you that might be joining us online as well, and yes, I am coming to you from a Christmas tree farm. I mean, isn't it beautiful in here? I mean, unbelievable the way people have decorated. It looks so much like Christmas, and I love everything about Christmas, man. We, in fact, we started decorating early this year. Anybody else get a head start? We just needed some more joy in our life, right? So we started right almost right after Halloween. We started decorating for Christmas, listening to Christmas music, and because I love everything about Christmas. I love the music. I love the cookies. I love the uh, the, the cookies. I love I love the cookies. I love the trees, I love the decorations, I love the lights, I love the movies. I mean, we watched Elf the other night. I, I just love everything about the Christmas season. But the very best thing about the Christmas season is this. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. God has come near. Jesus, the light of the world, has come to chase away the darkness. And man, that's something to celebrate this season. Um, you know, I want to uh, I want to hang t today as we kind of kick off this Christmas season in a kind of an obscure part of the Christmas story. It just kind of sits there, but it it jumped off the page at me years ago, and it really has profoundly affected my life. And I want to talk about the power of moments and how to how to live in the moment today, because I, I believe that life really is just a series of, series of moments, right? I mean, we will never, we'll never have this moment ever again, all right? That moment's gone. Now, we'll never have this moment ever again. Life is just a series of moments, and you have those moments in your life where you just kind of like take a picture with the iPhone of your brain and just freeze frame that moment in your brain like you'll never forget that moment. I got a bunch of those in my life. Uh, one of them is my wedding. I'll never forget that day. Uh, my wife hasn't changed much since that day, but I used to be like skinny with hair. And I got that freeze frame. Now I got that picture stuck in, stuck in my mind. Uh, the birth of our kids, man, that was every, every, every time. It was just a, a moment uh, for me that I'll never forget. And then our kids getting married and getting to participate in their weddings. And every one of those weddings was a moment uh, for, for me. And, and now that they have kids, we got grandkids. It's like every day these, these kids create some kind of moment uh, for us. Uh, I, I was thinking about uh, um, my, my grandson, who was, he was four years old at the time, and uh, I picked him up from a preschool thing, and he was sitting in the back of my truck, not, not in the very back of my truck, he was in the double cab in his car seat, and uh, he was sitting there, and I, was, and I was driving, listening to a country music radio station, have you ever heard of the group Lady A, you know what I'm talking about? Probably, probably their most familiar song was playing on the radio, and I'm driving along, and I can hear Jack in the back seat singing along to every word, and his dad's a really good singer and a musician, so I think the kid was also born with like perfect pitch, but he's in the back singing along this song, and I hear this little four-year-old guy going, it's a quarter after one, I'm a little drunk and I need you. I'm riding around with a wasted four-year-old in the back of my truck, you know? But I'm telling you, it's a moment that I'll, I can tell you where I was on the road when that happened. I mean, all the time, there are just these, these moments that, that happen. I, I spoke at a uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes event uh, uh, on, on, on a regular basis. And one day, th this girl who had, had been there several times brought me a little gift. And it was a mug with an inscription on the mug. And I've since lost the mug. 
but I have not forgotten what was written on that mug. You might have seen this before. It just simply said, yesterday is history. Today, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. I mean, it's yesterday's history. Tomorrow's a mystery, but today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. In a few weeks, you're going to get to see maybe little kids in your home. If you've got them running around, they're going to run down the stairs. They're going to run down the hall or whatever. They're going to get under the Christmas tree, and they're going to start ripping in the presents, especially little boys. They just go at it. And which, which present do the kids look for first? Which one they open first? The biggest one, right? They go for the biggest one first. But the kids have this uncanny ability to, to open a gift in front of them while at the same time eyeing which gift they're going to open next and at the same time with the other eyes seeing what kind of gift their brother or sister are getting, right? They just have that ability to do that. And the thing is, I believe that we kind of carry that on into adulthood. We got one eye on what might happen tomorrow. We got another eye on wanting to get back to normal or regrets over the past. And we forget the present right in front of us. Yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery, but today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. This is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice in it and be glad in it. There's a, I'm gonna do something a little bit different today. Uh, um, normally, I wouldn't tell this many personal stories, but I wanna kind of crack the door on my journey through all of this, because it's, it's as recent uh, as this week, honestly. And uh, I, want to, I want to tell you some things that I've been learning from an unlikely source. I've been learning a bunch from a teenage girl. Uh, she, I don't know, 16, 17 years old, uh, going through what some might categorize as a crisis pregnancy, totally unplanned type pregnancy. Uh, her name is Mary. And she's one of the central characters of the Christmas story. And I just can't imagine being in her shoes and being asked to do what God asked her to do but there's a verse that's tucked away in the back of the Christmas story, a verse that many people never see. And it's, it's a verse that's right after the angels and uh, you know, the trip to Bethlehem and finding the, 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 the stable cave and where animals were kept and right after the labor and the pain and the pushing and the birth and the shepherds, right after all that. This is what Luke 2.19 says. But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart and pondered them in her heart. Mary just treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She just sat there going, wow, this is a moment. This is a moment I never want to forget in all my life. So I'm trying to take my cues from that young girl and, and I'm trying to learn how to live in the moment. And one of the first things I'm trying to learn from her is how to soak in the moment. Because I want to treasure more, don't you? I want to ponder more. I want to wonder more. I want to stand with more awe, and, and, I, and I, want to, I want to savor those moments more. I just want to kind of soak in the moment. I want to unwrap the present and soak in it. Uh, I've told you before, I'm a, I'm a basketball junkie. I played all my life. Watch, I, I love little, watching little kids play basketball all the way up to NBA. I just love, love basketball. And, and I grew up in, in the state of Kentucky, and there's like a hoop on every barn and every garage, so I'm a Kentucky fan, and, and so I, I, I tape all the games and stuff, and, and, I, and I'd missed a game, and my son Drew was watching it live, and he texts me. He goes, Dad, I'm telling you, there's a play that happens in the middle of this game where when you get home and watch it, you're going to jump out of your recliner, and you're going to start screaming like you always do, oh my, oh my. I said, do I say that? He goes, yeah, you're always going, oh my. So I get home, get, turn on the game, and I'm watching it with Drew, and this guy steals the ball, 
and takes it between his legs and crosses two guys over, rises up and throws down this thunderous dunk that just about rips the rim off. I came out of my chair going, oh my. Drew goes, that was it. That was it. I said, do I say that? He goes, yeah, you're always going, oh my. You know what I think God's been saying to me even as recently as this week? Bro, you don't owe my enough. Felt like God was saying, you know, man, you used, to, you used to stand there and watch the ocean tide roll in and out and wonder how I pulled off that whole lunar schedule thing and you just go, oh my. You used to stand there and look at the sky as I painted it with all these indescribable colors and you would just go, oh my. You used to look at the stars at night and you'd just go, oh my. You'd feel so small. Bro, you used to drive through the mountains and in the fall and watching the brilliance of the leaves change, and you just go, oh, my. You used to love to hold little babies and look at their little eyelashes and fingers. You just go, oh, my. Mike, you used to stand in, in worship with your hands stretched out, and tears would run down your face as you were just going, oh, my. I felt like God's been saying to me, Mike, you're doing life, but you're missing moments. You don't owe my enough. So how about you? How's your oh my this season? Feels like there hasn't been a whole lot to oh my about, hasn't there? And that there always is. Um, slow down. Savor the moment. See what matters. Soak in it. Somebody, somebody gave me this little uh, uh, piece of prose. It's by a guy named Frederick Buechner, and I stuck it in my Bible years ago. It says this, listen to your life. See it for the fathomless mystery that it is. In the boredom and pain of it, no less than the excitement and gladness. Touch, taste, smell your way to the holy and hidden heart of it. Because in the final analysis, all moments are key moments. And life itself is grace. There's a second thing I'm trying to learn from this teenage girl, Mary, is that I need to sing over my moments. I want to learn to sing over my moments. One of, the, one of the cool things about this whole story is in Luke chapter one, the angel comes to Mary and tells her she's going to give birth to the son of God, the one that's going to rescue and bring the relationship, the broken relationship with people like us back to the loving father that God came looking for us. The angel tells her all that stuff and she just bursts into song. It's really cool. You can find it in Luke chapter one where she just is called the Magnificat of Mary. And I'm going to read it from the message. It says, she was filled with the Holy Spirit and sang out exuberantly. I'm bursting with good news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me, and look what happened. I am the most fortunate woman on earth, and on and on and on and on. She just sings. Out of the overflow of a grateful heart, she just sings. Again, you, you got a song in you these days? Is your heart so full of gratitude for what God is doing on the inside of you that the song just comes out? You know, I, I'm, I'm, I've never been a great singer, and you know, I, I've, but I've, I, I can, I've been singing as long as I can remember. Like when I was a little kid, I sang a lot. Uh, when I got into high school, uh, I really started. I, I just remember singing all the time. Uh, I, uh, I, was, I was in love with a girl who eventually married. And I was also giving my life to Christ, and he was changing my life, and I was so grateful for that new, fresh start. And so I sang a lot. 
And I would, uh, whatever song was on the radio, that's the song I would take to the next place with me because they'd be stuck in my head. It's never happened to you guys, so I'm singing that song, whatever it was. And I worked at a place called Ponderosa Steakhouse. Anybody remember Ponderosa? Is this, I don't even know if it's still around or not. It, it was a steakhouse, sort of. And uh, I, worked, I worked there, I started busting tables, and then I was promoted to washing dishes in the kitchen, then to Potato Boy, and then I made it to the, to the chef part where I'm cooking steaks and stuff like that. But when I worked there, I was in high school, and like I said, I was in love with God, in love with my girlfriend. I sang a lot, and I would come in every day, whatever, whatever song was on the car in the parking lot, I walked through the doors in Ponderosa singing that song. And I'll never forget, you talk about a freeze frame moment in my mind, I can see it right now as I'm telling you this, this grumpy old manager pulled me aside one day. He goes, bro, come here. Uh, enough with the singing, okay? Can't you come in here in a bad mood every now and then? Okay, I'll try, sir. You know, it's like that. So fast forward many years, and I, I'm, I'm at home, and I'm, I'm sitting at the dining room table, got my laptop out, and I'm working on a message, and I'm trying to study, and my son, Derek, who is a phenomenal singer and a great musician and a songwriter, he's in his bedroom. He's like 15 years old. He's writing a song. Now, I don't know whether you've ever lived with a songwriter or not, but when someone's writing a song, they play the same lick over and over and over and over and over and over again. So I'm trying to study, and Derek's got his electric guitar cranked up trying to write this song. And finally, I just went, ah, put my laptop down, walked to his room, swung open the door, and caught myself. I thought, oh, man, I've turned into Ponderosa guy. <laughs> when did this happen to me? Oh, no. And I caught myself, said, hey, D, that sounds awesome, man. Crank it up. I love it. And closed his door and went, oh, my goodness. I hope I never, ever do that again in my life because I want Derek to sing all of his life. When, the, when, it, when, the, when he's on top of the world, I hope he's singing. When the world's on top of him, man, I hope he's singing. I hope he always has this song of gratitude in his heart that can't help, like Mary, to overflow out of him. I know a girl like that. Oh, my goodness. She's a teenage girl as well. Um, you, you, ever been, you ever been in the presence of greatness where you just felt like, what am I doing in the same room with this person? You, you ever been in, that, you've been maybe in a meeting at work and there's somebody so, so bright and you just go, wow, what am I doing in this meeting? Or maybe you're, you're a golfer and you're standing on a tee box, some guy hits it 400 yards, you go, what am I doing in this foursome? This is, I mean, that guy's amazing. That happened to me with this girl. Um, I was uh, leading worship uh, one weekend at church in Chicago, and and she was leading with me. She's 16 years old, and it was just phenomenal. I mean, I thought, this, this might be the best worship leader I've ever seen in my life. And uh, I thought, what am I doing on the same stage as this girl? I mean, she is just incredible. Now, you need, need to know this about Melissa. Um, she's not a great singer. I mean, she would never get a, like a four-chair turn on the voice or anything like that. In fact, M Melissa, is, uh, she's confined to a wheelchair. She has cerebral palsy, scream, extremely bright, and so full of joy and gratitude. It just oozes out of her. And I used to lead worship and watch her sit down here and just watch her just worship her heart out. So one day I said, would you like to lead worship with me someday? She goes, yes. So she got up on stage with me, and she led worship, and I just thought, oh, my goodness. This is a true worshiper right here. You talk about someone that's just pouring out their heart to God with all kinds of gratitude. And I thought to myself, standing on that stage, man, you got to whine a whole lot less and sing a whole lot more. Again, how about you? 
Maybe God is saying to you in this moment, yeah, he's talk, I'm talking to you right now. Because during this hard season, maybe, maybe you've kind of fallen into that and you've, you've kind of lost the song in, in your heart. And maybe you just need to say, you know what, I, I won't, I'm not going to be overwhelmed by this season. I'm going to be overwhelmed by the goodness of God so that others can see the overflow of my life and be touched by his goodness. You know, sometimes people will ask me as a pastor, they go, hey, I'm trying to figure out, you know, God's will for my life. And I wonder if you got any wisdom on that. What, what is God's will for my life? And oftentimes I'll point them to this verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 where it just says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And they'll go, Dude, I know all that stuff. I'm, what, I'm, what I'm asking is, I'm trying to figure out God's will for my life. And I'll say, sorry, man, totally misunderstood you. Here's God's will for your life. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. No matter what's going on in your life, you do that, man, that just changes everything in your life. When your heart is full of gratitude, it produces a heart that just can't help but sing, whether you're musical or not. And I would encourage you during this season, especially during this season, get real practical with this. Start making a gratitude list. I mean, just make it a regular rhythm of your life. Make it a regular rhythm of your family's life. And you could even start today. Just start writing stuff down, like get a pad of paper, or get a laptop or whatever. Just start writing things. Whatever pops in your mind, whatever good things in life that you're so grateful for. I mean, you're writing, you go, pepperoni, uh, chocolate chip cookies, uh, putting your underwear on straight out of the dryer. Oh, yeah, that's good. And whatever pops in your mind, just write it down. Maybe even create a spot in your home during this season where your kids can just write their gratitude, maybe on a chalkboard wall or wherever, or take pictures with your iPhone all through the day, every day, just to capture that moment. I'm telling you, gratitude in your life is a game changer. Somebody put it this way. It's not joy that makes us grateful. It's gratitude that makes us joyful. Let this season be the season where your, where your heart begins to overflow with gratitude and you just sing like Mary did over your moments. One last thing I'm learning from this girl is, uh, and I pray you will as well, to surrender your moments. I just love the simplicity of uh, Luke chapter 1 verse 38 when the angel tells Mary what's going to happen and she just responds like, so simple, it's just kind of like, okay, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said come true about me. And the angel left. I just love that. I love the humility in her life where she says, you know what? He's Lord. I really trust him. I, I know that God knows what's best. So whatever he wants to do with me, whatever he wants to do in me, I'm, I'm ready to follow him. And I'm telling you guys, when, when you have gratitude and humility, when you have those two things working together, now you really got something in your life because those two things, gratitude and humility, they cultivate the soil of your life and God starts to grow things in that soil like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all kinds of good fruit grows in soil that's been cultivated by humility and fertilized with gratitude. I'm learning this the key to life, to live like that. Just surrendering your day every day with humility and gratitude. I got a buddy named Keith. Uh, I may have talked about him before. And I'm sure I'll talk about him again. He's just a great dude. And 
In fact, I just talked to him last night on the phone. He called me out of the blue last night. And uh, uh, what God has done in his life is just absolutely amazing. Uh, Keith, he wouldn't mind me telling you, he's been into everything. I mean, years and years of alcohol and drug abuse, porn addiction, all kinds of stuff in his life. Uh, but he surrendered his life to Christ and uh, asked, asked God for help. And God's been helping him for quite a while now. And um, when I first got introduced to him, we just started kind of walking walking through recovery stuff together, and I would text him every day, like, hey, man, day three, congratulations, you know, day 16, way to go, man, God's really doing something in you, day 27, you know, day 63, and I remember the day I texted him, day 365, man, can you believe it's been a year that you've been clean and sober and walking with God? Well, he decided to go celebrate that year anniversary in Vegas, so I texted him, day three, <laughs> day seven, he started all over, because he, re he relapsed, and uh, but I, I'm, uh, he, uh, he's, he's been clean and sober for over seven years now. And he walks with God. And he helps so many other people. It's really cool what God's been doing in his life. And I, and I know there are many people here that are, that are on that same journey. And uh, so I told Keith in the beginning, I said, man, what, what's going to be the key to your recovery is to surrender every day. Because it's just, it really is one day at a time for all of us. All of us need to live like that. That's why Jesus said, give us this day our Daily bread. It's one day at a time. We're all supposed to live like that. And it's that daily surrender. So I told Keith, man, what you need to do, dude, is every day just roll out of bed. First thing you do, hit your knees and just talk to God and surrender your life. Say, God, today, whatever you want to do in my life, do it. Whatever, put somebody in my path that needs a touch from you. God, I surrender my life again to you today. So he calls me up one day. He goes, hey, this whole thing you talk about living in awareness of God's presence and surrendering my day to God. This is brand new to me, man, So, uh, and praying is a brand new thing to me, so here's what I'm doing. You'll probably think this is stupid, but I just wonder what you think about this. I've been taking my phone. He goes, I have to set my alarm every day to get up, so I, I take my alarm and set it, and I put it in my slipper, and I slide my slippers under the bed. So when my alarm goes off in the morning, the first thing I have to do is get down on my knees so I can reach under the bed and grab that slipper and shut the, the alarm off. He goes, so while I'm down there, I just pray. I go, dude, that's brilliant. I'm telling everybody about that strategy right there. And that's what he's been doing for the past seven years of saying, God, you know, I just re-surrender my life. And he doesn't even need the slippers anymore. That's just a part of the rhythm of his life where he's just so grateful and so humble and just surrendering his life to God and God is moving in his life. And I, I've been trying to learn that as well, uh, you know, because it's, it's that, that also is a game changer. Living the awareness of God every day and just doing what he asks you to do, those little promptings. That, that he gives you throughout the day. I, it's, it's a brand new thing uh, for, for, for me when, when I was uh, surrendering my life to Christ. I didn't know what that really meant, and I didn't really know that he would prompt me all through the day to do little things. I mean, we, we all hear that voice through the day, right? We, we hear little things, like little nudges, like the Holy Spirit whispering to us, going, going come on, come on, man, you know, let, let that go. Or we, we hear him say, listen, go that direction. Or we hear him say, you know, that, guy, that guy looks like he needs help. So you got 20 bucks in your pocket, go, go, go give it to him. Or you need to go back in and kiss your wife. You need to do the dishes so nobody else will. He prompts us all day long to do the right thing. And so I'm 17 years old. I just surrendered my life to Christ. And I was trying to figure out what that was, to live in the awareness of his presence and listen to his voice and try to do the right thing. And so I just told him, I signed up to follow you, so I really want to follow you. I just don't want to like say like a churchy thing like, yeah, I follow Jesus. No, I really want to like follow you throughout the day. So teach me what that means. So uh, when I was in college, I was, I was a 17-year-old freshman, 
and I would ride my bike to work. I worked at a full-service gas station. Anybody remember full-serve gas stations? You know what I'm talking about? You pull in, there's like a rope, and you, the car would come in, ding, 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 and I'd run out, and I'd pump the gas, and I'd check the oil, and I'd wash the windshield, all that kind of stuff. So I had my Phillips 66 shirt with Mike embroidered on it. It was an awesome shirt. So I'm, I'm riding my bike to work one day, and I would go past this uh, like government housing uh, apartment building, and I would see these little kids down playing on a playground and shooting basketball with a little basketball court. You know, one of those courts with a chain net. And uh, I, I was early for work one day. I felt like God said to me, and it's prompted in my spirit, that little whisper of, hey, you're early. Why don't you just park your bike and go down and shoot ball with those kids? So I did. I just got off my bike and laid it down in the grass and walked over there and started shooting basketball with these little guys. And there's one little guy, this little sixth grader guy. His name is Willie. And uh, he was really a good little player. And we started talking trash immediately. And uh, I learned that his mom it was a single mom. She had, you know, four other kids. And he really didn't have a male influence in his life. And as a 17-year-old guy, I felt like God was saying, just keep coming. I said, dude, you shoot out here all the time? He goes, yeah, I'm out here every day. I said, I'll be back tomorrow. And so we'd come and play horse and one-on-one, -on -one, all this kind of stuff. And eventually that evolved into him coming on the campus some with me. I'd take him to basketball practice with me, and he'd kind of hang around, dribble around. Then we'd go into the cafeteria and eat, and we'd come back in the gym, and we'd play in the gym. And he, he sometimes he even sat next to me on the bench because I spent a lot of time there. And uh, uh, we just became like big brother, little brother. Uh, sadly to say, when I left campus, I lost track of Willie. Uh, you know, back then, uh, when I went to school in the 1800s, we, we, didn't, we didn't have, like, social media to stay connected. You know, you just kind of lost track of people. If you didn't have their number, if you didn't have their address, you just kind of lost track of people, and I lost track of Willie. So um, a few years ago, I'm, I'm sitting in my office at a church in the Chicago area, and uh, I get a phone call, and other end of the line says, hey, is this Mike Bro?" I went, yeah. He was a little skinny white dude with all kinds of hair that played basketball. I went, who is this? So I'm thinking, this has got to be a blast from the past. I go, who is this? He goes, this is Willie. I go, Willie, Willie. Do I know a Willie? You ever do the Google search in your head? You know, I'm going, Willie, Willie, Willie. Do I know Willie? Do I know Willie? I go, sorry, man. I'm, I'm having trouble placing you. You're going to have to give me a little more description. He goes, you know, man, Willie, college, Centennial Courts. I went, seriously? Like, Little sixth grade Willie, he goes, yeah, man. I go, oh my goodness, dude, what, what have you been doing with your life? He goes, well, mainly cocaine. I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. He goes, no, I'm good, really. So I've been, I've been clean over eight months now. He said, I, uh, I met this girl, she took me to church. And uh, I called you because uh, this past weekend, I gave my life to Christ. I was on a men's retreat. And... Uh, we're sitting around a circle, and one of the guys asked me, he said, hey, how'd you, uh, how'd you start your spiritual journey? And I thought for a second, I said, well, first Christian I ever met was some skinny white dude with all kinds of hair that played ball. His name was uh, Mike Bro. He said, are you talking about the pastor guy in Chicago? He goes, I don't know. He didn't know what I was doing with my life either. So they got my information, he tracked me down. He said, man, you think you could drive two hours south and baptize me sometime? And of course I said, I'm a very busy pastor. I'm not sure, no, I didn't say that at all, man. <laughs> Next day I got in my truck and I drove two hours south. I met him at a church, had a buddy open the church for us. And, and you talk about a moment, standing in that water with Willie and take him down in the water and bring him back up and we 
We stood there and hugged each other and cried like two little kids. 30 years after I parked my bike in that grass. I got back in my truck. I'm heading back to Chicago. I was going to a, uh, a strategic planning meeting. And I felt like God said, listen, man, what just happened is as strategic as it gets. Don't overcomplicate this thing. Keep doing what you did when you were 17. You would have missed that moment right now if you hadn't surrendered that moment when you were a 17-year-old skinny freshman kid. Just keep doing that. That's as strategic as it gets. I mean, I, I, love, the way, I love the way it says it in, in, in Romans chapter 12. It just, it just simplifies this, this life. It says, Here, here's what I want you to do. Just God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, going to school, walking around your life, and, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Just roll out of bed every day. Surrender this day to him. Surrender to his wisdom and just follow him. Because gang, yesterday, that's history. Tomorrow's a mystery, but today, today, it's a gift. That's why they call it the present. Unwrap it. Soak in it. Sing over it. And surrender your moments to the God who just wants to do life with you. You know, I, I can't help but think, surrounded by all these Christmas trees, how Jesus looks at your family tree and he says, I, I'm the gift. I'm, I'm the present. Just open your heart this season. I'll, I'll give you life. So I've been, I've been praying that this season, maybe even like right now, you could unwrap that gift and let Jesus Christ begin to flood your soul with hope and light. Let's, let's pray for a moment. Father, so grateful for the way you came looking for us. I thank you as we sang today in the middle of the darkness, this light just broke. Jesus, thank you for being the light of the world. Thank you for coming to give us life, life to the full, life to the full right here, even in the middle of tough times, life to the full in heaven someday. Thank you for making a way possible for us to be with you forever. Thank you for making sense out of this life. Thanks for giving us purpose and a passion. Thank you for walking with us every day and prompting us to do the right thing all throughout the day. And Father, we, we wanna be people like Mary who just soak in the moment and just treasure more and ponder more and let gratitude fill our hearts to where it overflows with song and that every day of our life, we just hit our knees and re-surrender and say, God, today again today, I just wanna walk with you. And Father, I pray all this in the name of Jesus, amen.